Well, good morning and welcome to Orchard. Uh, we're really glad you're here today. Uh, in the seats in front of you, you'll find these little welcome cards. So if you're uh, new here, um, want to reach out, uh, have questions or get in touch, uh, find out about small groups, anything, you can fill those out and put them in the offering boxes. Uh, we do offering via those boxes uh, in the back on both sides. So um, uh, normally we start with announcements, but the, the only announcement I want to make today is just to say thank you. Um, as a church, we have about 80 to 85 percent of the people who we know who like come regularly uh, who are serving in some capacity. And so I don't ever expect that number. I, I pray that number is never 100 percent. Because then that would mean we just don't have that many new people coming in ever. Um, but, uh, and it takes a while, like, to get integrated in and to, like, find uh, a place to, to, you know, to really feel like you belong. So all that to say, like, whether you make coffee or you're back there doing the slides and the sound, uh, those don't magically, you know, like, click on. Um, we have people here who come and clean, uh, make sure there's toilet paper for Sunday morning, it's kind of important. Um, uh, and then teaching the kids downstairs. Um, we have 40, you know, we average, I don't know, 70, 75 upstairs, but we have 40 uh, people who are volunteering to rotate through and teach our kids and invest in that generation. So uh, it's Veterans Day weekend. So like, absolutely, I, I love all my fellow veterans and service members out there, but like, we're all called to serve. And, uh, I just am grateful. Like you guys, you guys are what makes, make me love being part of this church. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for playing your part. And I also want to remind us, I've said this before, we'll do everything we can as a church, but I don't want us to do any more <laughs> than what we're able to do. Meaning uh, let's not burn out. Um, let's, let's run our race well. It's a long distance endurance race. So all that to say, um, that's the end of announcements today. So let's pray and uh, we'll listen to God's word together. Heavenly Father, uh, you love us so much that you sent your only begotten son to, to become one of us, fully God and yet fully man as well. To, to live a, a life that fulfilled all of your promises, um, your promise to send a Messiah who would save us back in Genesis 3, uh, someone who could crush the serpent's head. And so we just marvel at you this morning, Jesus, at your death, which atoned for our sins, demonstrating how, how much more your mercy is uh, than the weight of our sin, just as we sang, and your resurrection, that you didn't just defeat sin, but you defeated the grave. And so we don't live with you just now in this life, but we will live with you forever. Eternal living that starts now and doesn't stop. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I know, uh, yeah, many of us are. So I pray that we'd just come to you now um, being honest about 
our mornings, about uh, what we bring, um, how we're feeling. Uh, maybe there are some who feel far from you, God, and just came this morning to see uh, if it's possible um, that uh, God is still interested in them. And I pray that you would answer them and answer those of us who just come on a regular basis with a great reminder of uh, how, how much more interested you are than we can imagine, how deeply you love us, and how all, all, all pervasively you're inviting us into life with you. Um, our work, our family, our emotions, um, everything uh, we can do with you, Jesus. So we, we want that. We want that for our kids downstairs, uh, for them to catch the vision of following you. We want that for uh, those who are far from you out in our neighborhoods and our workplaces. So, um, yeah, help us to live lives that are saturated more and more with your presence, your goodness. Amen. So my wife and I have been teaching our son Wyatt to ask for things, not to just take, you know, he, he, he can take with the best of them, but we're trying to teach him how to ask and how to ask kindly, how to ask respectfully, you know, how to say please. And often we just will not give to Wyatt what he wants until he asks and until he asks the right way. And so you could say that Wyatt receives good things according to his pleas, right? Sometimes he likes to yell please, and that's, that's not right. It's according to his pleas. It's according to his ask. Now, does that mean that when Wyatt says please, he'll get whatever he asks for? When he asks properly, he'll get it. Of course not. Everyone knows that. We're, we're not teaching him how to manipulate us. We're teaching him how to live well. And so whether Wyatt gets what he wants or not, he is living well by asking rather than taking and by asking kindly and learning to ask without this sense of entitlement. Oh, because I asked, I'm going to get it. So does that make sense that Wyatt receives things according to his pleas, according to his ask? I know for most parents, you're, you're probably tracking with me. Um, if that makes sense, then Jesus healing people according to their faith will also make sense. I think it's very similar because just because you have faith doesn't mean that you're going to receive what you asked for. Just like Wyatt's pleas doesn't guarantee that he will get what he wants. But the pleas matters. The faith matters. And it's because our Heavenly Father wants to teach us how to live well. So we've been uh, trekking through the Gospel of Matthew in 2019 uh, with a couple breaks, but today's passage, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 18, and I'll read through verse 26. While Jesus was saying these things to them, which last week we talked about mercy, we talked about fasting. So Jesus was saying these things to them. A ruler came in and knelt before Jesus saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed this father with Jesus' disciples following as well. And behold, a woman who'd suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind Jesus and just 
touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, this is their way in the first century of mourning the death uh, of someone. He said, go away. The, the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And this whole crowd laughed at him. But the crowd was put outside and Jesus went into the house, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went all through that district. So if you remember in our earlier passages of Matthew, this isn't the first time that faith has accompanied Jesus' miraculous power. If you remember in Matthew 8, there was a centurion who was commended for his faith and, and his servant was healed via long distance. Jesus just said the word and it happened. He didn't go anywhere. Then when Jesus calmed the storm, he actually rebuked his disciples' faith. And then today we see Jesus saying to this woman, your faith has healed you. And we're going to see it again next week. So if you saw on the last slide, uh, this is just part one of two parts where we're going to deal with what it means to be healed according to your faith. And it's, it's just like I said, with Wyatt and learning how to ask, the please matters. How we ask and our faith matters because God is trying to teach us how to live. And Jesus didn't do a whole lot um, of miracles uh, when, when there wasn't faith around because he, he was trying to use the miracles to increase faith and to point to discipleship to him. So we, we all live by faith. Faith is unavoidable. Rose and I, uh, we've been watching this Netflix series called The Universe, and uh, I love outer space, and so it's just talking about planets and moons and all these wonderful things. Um, incredible. It's just incredible to think about. And there's a lot that we know about the universe, but there's a lot that we don't know. And these scientists, uh, if I had a dollar for every time they said, we believe, we believe this, we believe that. Sometimes they have a basis for that belief. Other times it's quite clear to me that they don't. And that's okay, but that just goes to show faith is unavoidable. No matter where you go, we all live by faith. We're all going to have confidence in someone or something. And so faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being certain of what we don't see. And faith also is what drives our life. According to the Bible, no matter what we put our faith in, our lives will follow that line of confidence. If we put our faith in our abilities, our jobs, our reputation, our relationships, um, it will drive your life wherever you place your faith. And so these two stories, the story of, of the father whose daughter who died and the story of this woman who reached out and touched Jesus' garment, these two stories are squashed together. Like, you can't read one story without getting the other, right? Because it was right in the middle of Jesus' journey to see this, this dead girl um, and to, to raise her back to life. It was right in the middle of that journey that his garment gets touched. And in both stories, it is their faith that was expressed. One person's faith came with words and a gesture. He got on a knee and he pleaded with Jesus and 
And, and the other asked, uh, didn't, didn't even ask with words, just, just believed in her mind, if I reach out and touch. So one asked for a physical touch and the other didn't ask at all, but reached out and touched. It's, faith is expressed differently in these two stories, but they're both healed according to their faith. And, and Jesus is under no obligation to do what we ask, just like I'm under no obligation to give Wyatt what he asked for. But it's just worth pointing out, every time that uh, someone comes to Jesus, they experience him based on what they asked for. So like when Wyatt comes to me, he, whatever he asks for, he's going to experience me based on that ask. If he asks for a toy, he's going to experience interaction, relationship with me based on what he's asking for. If he asks to put his hand on a hot stove, <laughs> he's going to experience me based on that ask. And the same thing is happening here. Whether it's the woman or the man or the centurion, people are experiencing Jesus based on how they come to him. How we act is just a part of our interaction. I know I'm being Captain Obvious today, but like, it's, it's so true. And so no matter what the expression of trust is, whether it's come and heal my daughter by touching her and go, or go and get healed by touching Jesus, um, the, these expressions of trust, that they, they form our interaction. They're part of forming our interaction with Jesus. So, how we ask matters, but, but relationship is about more than just asking and receiving, right? Relationship is deeper than that. And so I, I wanted to use a picture to kind of unpack the, the different parts of this story. And this is actually a picture of a picture. Um, what I want to talk about is that in, in, in deep pictures, pictures with depth is what it's called in photography, you have background, you have middle ground, and you have foreground. And I actually ran this by uh, Alex Bowman, who's a photographer here, to make sure I wasn't like, you know, preaching photography heresy. Um, <laughs> it's a real thing. So uh, let's, let's talk about each part briefly. And we're going to tie in our two stories from today. So, so let's start with background. Background is the part of a picture that's furthest away. And the background provides all the context for the rest of the picture. So when we hear these stories today about, you know, a, a girl who died and the father is approaching Jesus for a miracle, and then this, this woman with, with a medical condition of 12 years and she's approaching Jesus for a miracle, that's pretty much what most of us hear. But when a Jew in the first century heard these stories, they heard all of that and they connected it back to the Pentateuch, to the first five books of the Bible and that God gave his people some laws about being around dead people or touching dead people, which Jesus did both in this story. And he also gave some, his people some laws about um, being around uh, people with blood and th this condition that the woman had. In, in both cases, they were ceremonially unclean. So I I'm going to read from Leviticus because I know it's your favorite book of the Bible. Um, Leviticus 15, if a woman has a loss of blood for many days, I think 12 years would count, and it's not during her monthly period, or she continues to have a loss of blood after her regular period, she will be unclean as she is during her monthly period. 
She'll be unclean for as long as she continues to bleed. Any bed she lies on during the time of her bleeding will be like her bed during her regular monthly period. Everything she sits on will be unclean as during her regular monthly period. Whoever touches these things will be unclean and must wash his clothes and bathe in water. He'll be unclean until evening. Numbers 19, 11 through 15, talks about how touching a dead body or even visiting the house of a dead body makes you unclean. So think about the implications now back to our story, especially that of the woman who after 12 years, how many people knew about her condition and were trying to isolate themselves from her so that they could remain ceremonially clean. It was worse than just a medical condition. This was suffering across the board of her life. And Jesus breaks these rules except he doesn't. Because Jesus appears to break the rules, but what happens when he breaks them is he purifies those who are unclean. And so there's no more rule against that. And just like the various parts of God's temple, we we talked about Jesus as the temple the last few weeks, various parts of God's temple had this purifying effect where You know, if Mark's part of the temple and I go over there and touch him, then I get clean because that has been anointed and set aside as holy. It's all representing Jesus. And Jesus is the holy one. And so when he comes in contact with uncleanness, it gets clean. And so we're talking about the background. We're talking about the wounds that are being brought to Jesus. What is broken in the story is the, ba- is the background. It is what is not as it should be. And if the ruler and the woman, you know, just knew what was wrong with their situations and just stayed there, there wouldn't be much of a story. And it's the same way for us. So let's move on to the foreground. As I've already alluded to, the foreground Let's, let's just talk about photography first because I know you're interested in it. Um, the foreground is what is front and center in a picture. This is a picture from, from Alex. So in the foreground, you have this couple. They're, they're the, the primary you know, focus of that picture. Everything else is just beautifying the, the, the couple. And in the foreground of our story today, it is what the woman and what the man thought about Jesus. It was the image that they had of him. That was the focal point. Their view of who Jesus is. And they both trusted that Jesus was willing and able to help them. And we saw in different ways. You know, the, the ruler was willing or believed that Jesus was willing to come to his daughter. And the woman was 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 trusting that Jesus would not be upset if she reached out and touched him. You you know she knows the laws. She knows the rules about being unclean. But the woman just had confidence that Jesus was that approachable that if she just touched him, she would be healed and, and Jesus, you know, wouldn't hold that against her. And it's the same way for us. I, I think when we come to Jesus, whether it's a Sunday morning or a Monday morning or a Thursday evening, we can come to Jesus 
But when we come to him, what we sense, what we believe, I would even say see or feel, um, it matters. Like our picture of who Jesus is, it really matters. And in this story, this is one of my favorite stories because it's so clear to me when I see Jesus in this story, I see someone who's not in a hurry. You know, this, Jesus is on a mission to raise someone from the dead, a girl, you know, and Jesus is not in a hurry. He stops and he speaks tenderly and kindly and heals this woman. And so I I just want to encourage you this morning and, and just as you continue to live your life and pursue Jesus, uh, be aware of your picture of him. Jesus, in this story, he's, he's changing the world at three miles an hour. <laughs> That's the average human walking speed. He's walking to the house, and he's changing the world at three miles an hour. And I personally, this is something I struggle with so much, because I just want to do and do and do more. And uh, uh, we're all challenged through this picture of Jesus to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. Jesus is not in a hurry. And when we come to him, we just got to come to him as he is. He's in the foreground of our picture. He's the main attraction. He's center stage for them and for us. If we're really coming to him, he will be in the foreground. And so that leaves us with the middle ground. So the middle ground, this is a technical description. It's what connects it all together. Um, Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> it's not a technical description. That's the best way I can come up with it. It's, it's just simply the space between the background and the foreground. And faith is, is, I think, a great description in this story of what the middle ground is. If the background is the wound and the foreground is the healer, faith is the middle ground. It is the journey of connecting the background to the foreground. And And... Even though Jesus said it's her faith that healed her, um, we've got to all acknowledge that, of course, it's actually Jesus who healed her. It was because her confidence was in Jesus. And it was that confidence that brought her to Jesus. So in, in three words, I see these three parts to the healing picture. There's the wound, There's the healer, and then those two are connected by confidence, by by trust in the healer, by faith. And again, uh, Jesus has repeatedly come to people in a manner in which they ask. So all that to say, however you're, whatever you're asking Jesus for, you will experience Jesus um, on that account. Uh, If you ask him for a miracle and he doesn't give it to you, that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Still means he's active in your life. But we must recognize even a no, even in a no, when, when we ask Jesus for something and we get a no or a not yet, he is relating to us based on our ask. He chooses to respond to faith. And so you don't need perfect faith. We just need faith in the perfect one. And so I, I just want to thank and, and encourage you to reflect today on your background. What, what is it for you? What wound, what area of your life 
have you been or should you be bringing to Jesus? What needs to be made well? Depression, anxiety, some relationship. What, what is it for you? And think about your foreground, your perception of Christ, how we see him. And, and I'm sure some of you are thinking, Ben, are you, are you saying that, you know, like Jesus is going to heal today the same way he did then? I, I don't know. But I do know that there is a guaranteed healing. Eternally, those in Christ will be made whole in every way. And in God's sovereignty, he might not choose to heal you now. And I'm sure, like Romans 8 tells us, that he works all things for the good according to his love. So, despite your faith in coming or overcoming your background, pressing into the foreground, you might simply continue to suffer. But your hope, this is, this is what's so important about these healing stories, is the hope is never to be in the healing, but in the healer. And it's always by his wounds that we've been healed. So think about how God has healed you. Think about the, the healing that he's offering you now. And then as, as you do that, we're, we're into the middle ground. We're into our faith. That's where the wound meets the healer. This is expressed in how we come to Jesus over the difficult parts of our life. Do we just ask Jesus to take away what's hard? Or are we asking him, can I experience you in the midst of this? This is all part of according to our pleas, according to our faith. And even if you don't get healing now, this is, this is if you just walk away with one thing, I want you to walk away with this. If you come to Jesus in faith, trusting him, even if you don't get healing now, taking your wound in faith to the healer always provides relational depth. Just like having these three parts of a picture always provides photography depth. There are a lot of good reasons that God's answer might be no or not now or not in that way or come back to me and ask another way. I do that with Wyatt all the time. It's training. If you want healing more than the healer, Jesus just loves you too much to give that to you. Just like I love Wyatt too much to give him chocolate for dinner. It's just not good for you. But also, just because you're not healed doesn't mean that you're loving the healing more than the healer. There's, th this is complex. And, and the story of Job is a great example for all of us to remember. Job kept going to the healer and asking, why? What is happening? I don't understand. And he didn't get an answer. Not specifically. His, the answer that he got was, I am God and you're not. So some, we live in a world today where there's actually quite a few proclaiming Christians who would say to you, you're not demonstrating faith unless you're healed. You've got to increase your faith until the healing comes. That is absolutely not true. Faithfulness can end up looking a myriad of ways in our lives. Listen to Hebrews 11, the end of the Hall of Faith chapter. He says, what more shall I say? He's talking about all these great people 
of the Old Testament who lived by faith. He said, time will fail me. I don't have time. You don't have time. Nobody got time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lion, quenched the power of fire, escaped from the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead back from res- by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Who wants to sign up for that? I, I'm in, I'm in. Verse 36, he continues. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, says men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. We should still have our hands raised. And all these, all these, not just the ones that shut the mouths of lions, all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better. Something better in Hebrews is Jesus. That's the whole, that's the whole book. Jesus is better than angels, Jesus is better than the priesthood. Jesus is better than the promises of God. And so you might have great moments in your life of faith. You might have terrible moments in your life of faith. But the goal of the life of faith is God. Relationship with God. So we're going to end with an exercise today. Um, and before we get into the exercise, I just want to give a brief foundation for what we're going to do. Uh, because sometimes when you put up the kite of experience and you just like let the wind blow, uh, certain people are like very tempted to, Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I want the kite to be grounded. I don't want it to fly away into crazy. Um, so this, this is our grounding before we get the kite up in the air. Um, the biblical view of salvation is that we have been saved. It's, it's a done fact. It's also a current experience. We're being saved. It's called sanctification. It's also a future reality. It's a sure fact yet to be experienced fully. It's coming. We will be saved in glorification. And healing is a motif. It is a theme that is embedded in when, yeah, in how God talks about what he's doing in salvation. So when we say with the prophet Isaiah that by Jesus' wounds, we are healed, we're saying that we're justified by Jesus' wounds. We're also saying that we're being healed by the ongoing ministry of Jesus. And and we're saying with confidence and with hope that by his wounds, we will be totally and finally healed. So here's the exercise, those pieces of paper, or if you have a journal, you're welcome to do that. Um, uh, It's quite simply to go through those three phases of the picture, those three components 
and answer them for yourself. What is your wound? What needs healing? It could be physical. It could be emotional, relational. It could just be like, you know, there's this besetting sin in my life and I need to, 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 to take, take steps and progress in that. Um, and then how do you see Jesus? I'd encourage you to go from, from the background to the foreground. How do you see Jesus interacting with you on that? And if you haven't been justified, like if you're not sure you're standing with God today, let me just tell you, he is ready for you to come. He is willing and able to heal you and bring you into right relationship. Simply turn away from living life your way way, and put your confidence in Jesus. So how do you perceive Jesus is the foreground? How do you, how are you interacting with him? What do you see? How how do you see him in light of that wound? And then, and then the, the last question, the middle ground is how, how are you coming to Jesus? Sometimes we can see Jesus a certain way, but then when we think about how we're actually coming to him, um, it just doesn't line up. Like our theology and our practice can easily uh, grow apart. So that's, that's the rest of the worship service. We're going to have songs, three more songs. Um, but I just want to encourage you, exercise your faith in this last uh, section of our gathering to get together. And, and you can exercise your faith through singing, but you can also exercise your faith through going to someone and saying, um, and this is a very intimate thing, like to, to share this with someone. It's probably already happening in your life through small groups. I hope so. But, but find someone, pull them aside and say, would you pray for me? And, and here's, here's the key. Uh, I, I, I do want to create a rule for your safety <laughs> this morning. Do not go up to someone else and say, how can I pray for you? Don't do that today. Not today. Um, <laughs> ask them. That you, you, that, that, that leaves us in charge of inviting others into our healing. You don't get to barge in. It, it doesn't go well when we barge into other people's hearts. Okay? We're not the Kool-Aid man. That, no, not cool. So, so that's what I want to encourage you to do the rest of the service is exercise your faith. It might just be through singing and and, and praying to God. It might be through writing this down and inviting someone that you trust to pray for you. Uh, but Jesus is the wounded healer. And, and by his wounds, uh, we are healed. <laughs>